Welcome to School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello, joined once again this week by Matthew Chandler. And um, this time around, we have a new Royal Blue Mercy member, uh, Ian Deckard is correct. That's how you pronounce your last name? Yep. Just making sure, just making sure. Ian, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Super happy after the win. Um, excited to be a part of uh, Royal Blue Mercy. And, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's great to have you on. And, um, you know, you're going to be covering some of the women's stuff as well, from what I understand, which is great. And we'll get in a little bit um, about the women's game um, today, I think it was. Um, but before we get into that, you know, tell us a little about yourself, Ian. Tell, tell the, the fans a little bit about yourself, the listeners. Tell us, you know, where you're from, you know, some of your interests, how you got into Everton and stuff like that. Sure. Um, so I'm from Bethesda, Maryland, just outside of D.C., um, I played soccer growing up, always loved soccer. Um, so when NBC picked up the broadcast rights for the Prem in the 13-14 season, uh, I, you know, I needed a team. And at that time, Tim Howard was the number one uh, goalkeeper, of course, for the Toffees. So was just trying to look for that American connection in the Prem. And so I kind of gravitated towards, towards Everton and have been supporting them ever since. Um, it's been a lot of exciting summers with some signings and some disappointing seasons, but happy, uh, happy with the start this season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, similar story for me as well. I mean, I, I, when I started watching Everton, it was the same thing. They, NBC had picked up the the Premier League here in, in, in America, Tim Howard, Landon Donovan, those types of players were on, on Everton. Yep. And I was like, you know what, this seems like a good team to root for. And uh, little did I know what I was getting myself into. Um, but, um, still exciting, still, you know, obviously the highs and lows of Everton, um, you know, take you on a roller coaster ride throughout the season, but, um, it, you know, it's worth it every season. And today it was definitely worth it. And let's get right into that. Um, the, uh, the, the match today, Everton taking on Tottenham at, um, in London at, at, um, uh, what is it? Tottenham stadium now. Um, Hotspur stadium, man. Yeah. Um, Calvert-Lewin, the header from the, uh, Dean free kick in, on 55 minutes was the only goal in the game today. Everton winning one, nothing. Um, you know, all three signings started, uh, Ian, let's start with you. What'd you think of the match today? Yeah, I thought it was great. I, I, you know, in the first 15 minutes, I kind of caught myself thinking we're dominating possession versus a top six team away from home. And, you know, I just, the, the ability to dominate the midfield, uh, you mentioned the new signings with with Decor and Alan, um, just kind of screening in front of that back line, giving Gomes a chance to move forward, giving Hamas a chance to to really be creative on on the left wing. So I was really happy with the way the new signings played. Um, you know, several having had previous experience with Ancelotti, um, you know, kind of integrating themselves into the team. So I was super happy with the way they played. Um, I thought that you know I was glad to see uh, Calvert Lewin get back on the score sheet. It had been kind of a tough, tough uh, time for him since the restart. So, you know, it does wonders for his confidence to get back on the score sheet. And, you know, I just, it was, you know, I was saying this earlier, I, I don't remember a time when I've had this much fun watching an Everton game. And I think, sorry, was, cool. sorry, you know, that was just really fun to kind of see them really keep possession against the quality side. I think the, uh, I'm trying to think of the last time Everton put in such a complete performance. Maybe the sort of highs of the uh, of the first season under Marco Silva, maybe. But even then, they were kind of few and far between, and, and not really. I guess the, the challenge now, I guess, will be maintaining that level. 
of, of uh, performance against you know what are pretty inferior looking teams coming up for us to uh, to Tottenham anyway. But um, yeah, I, th- I think from front of back Everton were pre- pretty faultless today. I think Jordan Pickford in goal was um, there was much less bravado with Pickford and and. He made those two good saves from Doherty and Ali in the first half where you think maybe even you even kind of worry if, is it going to slip through his legs again or is is he is he going to sort of wilt uh, you know wilt under the pressure or and in the second half there were, I think there were two big punches from him as well which he got spot on he timed everything right he was he was he was a much more authoritative figure I would say today uh, defense was solid no real no real qualms there and that was the other thing as well I would say that. When Tottenham inevitably like upped the pressure in the last 10, 20 minutes, there was no sense of panic from Everton that you, you might have seen in previous years. There was no, uh, they didn't lose, no loss of composure really. They, they stayed in control and, and you have to look at the midfield and say that's that's the main reason behind it because I thought the three, Alan, uh, Decore and Rodriguez were probably Everton's three best players today actually. I think the way Alan just snaps into tackles and his sort of tenacity and determination to win the ball back. It's something we haven't we haven't seen since Idris Gay left, I don't think. Um, there was one where Decorey maybe got him out of jail with that sort of last man tackle, I think, on Lucas Moura. Uh, but he was he was great at doing what he was he was always best at, I thought, at Watford, moving from, from one box to the other one, driving it, you know, getting the attacks going and driving Everton forward. Um, and Rodriguez as well, I think, um, you know, you... There was one moment at the start of the first half where he plays this really lovely crossfield ball to Dean, and and from then from then onwards you could just tell how sort of silky, elegant, and and calm he is on the ball as well. Um, and while he might not give Seamus Coleman that defensive cover that maybe someone like Theo Walcott did, I don't think you can compare the like those two players in terms of quality and and attacking output either. Um, and I think he's someone who will just get better with more game time, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, I think you can't really find many faults in that performance. It was a really encouraging first first game for Everton, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I, think I, was saying to, um, I was saying to Ian before you hopped on, Matthew, um, it, you know, it, it's just it's one of those games I didn't even expect it to be as good as it was. You know, it's like you, you look and you're like, there's no way it could actually be um, you know, this good. And, and I, I even said it in the chat. Um, you're kind of sitting in the edge of your seat. You're so trained to expect a mistake somewhere in that, you know, in that midfield or somewhere in that game. And it felt like it was pretty solid from start to finish. I mean, you mentioned it. Hamas was fantastic. You could tell his level of play um, was, was better really than most people, basically everybody on Everton and, and probably most people on the pitch in general. Um, you know, the balls he was playing, the touches, he knew where his next pass would be before he even got the ball um, from the player who had it. So, you know, it's that type of stuff that we're not used to seeing. Uh, you know, he was always looking to move the ball forward. Um, you know, the only time he passed the ball forward, he would hold the ball to see if he could find a forward pass. Um, and then, you know, if he didn't have one, he would pass it backwards. Um, so really impressive from him. Like you mentioned, Allen just, you know, standing up players that are bigger than him really – um, putting in a real good effort um, against the yeah. Tottenham side that had its chances at times, but for the most part, I'd say we kept pretty quiet for the uh, the entirety of the game, especially in the second half, and just a really impressive performance. Um, 
Anything you guys want to hit on specifically? Um, obviously, you mentioned Ian Dominic Calvert-Lewin getting the goal. That's huge. Um, probably a couple other goals we probably should have had um, by way of Richarlison, no? Uh, maybe not even just the miss, just a couple of curlers that he missed uh, just off the outside of the post as well. Definitely. And I thought, you know, I mean, you saw Doherty come off and, you know, Marino take him off in the second half. Doherty just looked tired and Richarlison kept coming at him on that left wing. You know, he kept attacking and yeah, you know, in addition to the, the goal that he missed, you know, he was off balance, put it over the net. You know, he had a couple curling chances that, that I thought looked pretty good. And he, he was really fit for, for Tottenham on that left wing today. I'm just looking at Mourinho's uh... Reno doing his post-match interview, he looks absolutely furious. I'm sure uh, he's living. His first, his first ever opening day defeat, by the way, today. Um, by the hands of none other than Everton. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry, what was, the, what was the question again, Gino? Sorry. Um, just about, you know, any, any other things. Richarlison. Richarlison, yes. If Richarlison was probably Everton's worst player today, and that's not, that, that is not as scathing a criticism as it might sound, because... You know, he still worked hard and he still made chances. But, I mean, that, that one in the first half where, you know, he does, he does really well, actually, in the first place to, to beat Alderweireld to that straight ball um, and, and then to round Lloris. But you... Quite funny, I was talking to one of my friends who's a Liverpool fan yesterday and I said, I don't think I've ever seen a more selfish player than Ahmed Salah. <laughs> and I said, you know, he's worse than Richarlison and not passing the ball. And yet... One time when Richardson probably surely doesn't, because I think you know the the hindsight's a wonderful thing, but you you would say either square it to uh, Calvert Lewin or keep composure. Yeah. He actually scored a very similar goal to that. I don't know if you remember against Brighton a few years ago where he went round Matt Ryan um, at Goodison and then just kept his cool and slotted home. So that's disappointing. Um, I don't think it was a it was a performance that lacked uh, you know endeavour and anything from Richardson. I just think. Had one of those days, didn't he, where nothing really came off for him. He didn't go hiding, which I think that's the biggest compliment you can pay him. He stuck at it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's kind of hard to pick too many holes in that performance because we've been starved of results and performances like that, especially against teams which of, you know, Tottenham's quality or thereabouts. I mean, Tottenham weren't great, but they're still... They're a mental block, I think, as much as anything for Everton because we hadn't beaten them for eight years. We hadn't beaten them away for 12 years. Um, we haven't been any of the top six for seven years. So to overcome all those hurdles, I think, is a testament to Ancelotti's management as well. The other, thing, the other thing I would say is the fact that he's... I mean, it seems obvious. It seems a really obvious thing that all of our fans have picked out. But to see that Armand Field needed surgery in the way it did and address it it's just basic. It's essentially it's just good management, isn't it? And I think he knew what we needed. He got the play, he got the right players as well. He didn't just get any old midfielder. That you know, he didn't just use sort of better than Tom Davies or Guilford Sigurdsson as a criteria, because you know, any old any old midfielder could could have gone in that criteria and and not fit in the system. But it looks like he's brought three midfielders who really fit whatever they need um, in different roles. And in terms of in-game management today, I think what was interesting was uh, a lot of Everton's play did come down that left through Richarlison. Um, and what, what pleased me about that was, I think, Ancelotti latched onto the fact that Doherty looked particularly ropey today. He's always played in a back three with Wolves, and he, he was way too high up the pitch, I think, to play in a back four. 
the fact that Ancelotti fastened onto that and evidently told it, I mean, it would seem that he told Everton to target him, to target that left flank. Is again, it's just it's smart management, it's savvy, you know, in-game tactics that will win Everton more points um, this season. And I know our goal didn't come from that, but it was just a very professional, very solid, very encouraging performance all around from Ancelotti and from players on the pitch. Yeah, and I think that goes along with the scouting too. You know, they they just got they've gotten the scouting wrong in recent years under, um, you know, under Marco Silva going back um, to Ronald Koeman. They've brought in players who just didn't fit the system, and they spent a lot of money, and the results didn't come because those players didn't fit the system. So I, I totally agree with the fact that, you know, the, the players that Ancelotti has, has kind of honed in on really made a difference today. And I'm excited to see them going forward. Yeah. We are also, we should, we should say as well, we are the early kickoff next Saturday. So I don't want to do like another Aston Villa, beat Villa, we go top. But if we beat West Brom, we do go top. So. <laughs> um, but also, I mean, again, I don't want to tempt fate or get too far ahead because it is, it is literally one win. And we had the same number of points last season after two games as we do after one. So, you know, um, I don't think any of us will be overly surprised if we we mess up the West Brom game or, you know, the Palace game or the Brighton game. But if you look at those three fixtures that we've got now, take Salford out of it in the cup. Um, We've got, yeah, West Brom at home, who were battered today. Palace away and then... You could, you know, could lose the heart. It could be us, of course. Um, and then Bright, Brighton at home. Um, but, and then you've got the derby and uh, Goodison. So, if we could go into that derby with maximum points or even ten points, imagine the lift that I'll give Everton's players going into that one as well. Um, I think what they've done today is really just kind of set the benchmark, set the standard for the rest of the season. Um, and whereas we've kind of seen like Marco Silva's team kind of take six or seven games to, to grow into that and set that benchmark or Martinez's teams in his first season, Evan have done it here on the first day, which I think is, is really significant and really encouraging against, you know, one of the top six teams away as well. Um, I don't think you can underestimate or understate how, how crucial the results could be for Evan this season. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think... Um... You know, just touching on the points of the transfers, like you mentioned, I mean, Ronald Koeman brought in, you know, what, 15 center attacking middies, you know, it's, it just shows the quality of manager that Ancelotti is that he knows who he wants to get. He goes, get the goes and gets those players. um, And he knows what he's doing, you know, in game. I mean, you know, you know, as, as the time goes on, you start to get a comfortable, you know, you start to get comfortable and start to realize that we do truly, it's weird that we have somebody you know, like Ancelotti in charge because it's been kind of chaotic over the past few, um, you know, over the past few years. So, you know, really good to see that, um, you know, like you mentioned, Richarlison, not great today in terms of finishing and, but, you know, he didn't, like I said, he didn't go hiding. He's still out there putting in a shift. Um, you know, he largely kept us on the attack. I mean, even just creating those chances and, and keeping the ball away from Spurs is, is, is enough, um, especially up one, nothing. And, um, you know, it was a really good all-around performance, really impressive. Um, and now you just got to hope that they carry that and they don't, you know, it was a big game. It's opening day against the top six side. Now when you go into these games against the lower lower sides, some games that we typically have trouble with, you know, breaking down those, you know, um, those low blocks or, you know, 
just breaking down those defenses. Um, now it's time to see if they can, you know, put in the same type of performance and get up for those games as well. So um, we'll get in a little bit more about that um, in a little bit. But before we do that, uh, as I mentioned before, Ian's going to be covering uh, the women's team. And they had a game this weekend as well. Um, they also played the Tottenham women's team and won by the same scoreline, one nothing. Uh, Izzy Christensen um, scored her first Everton goal today just after the break. Um, you know, Ian, you watched the game. You, you probably know um, a little bit more about, you know, this aspect than maybe me and Matthew do. Talk, tell us a little bit about what happened and, you know, your analysis of it. Sure. Yeah, today was, you know, they picked up their second win of the season, second win, two games. Uh, you know, Tottenham was much, much more quality opponent today. They played Bristol City last weekend, um, picked up a 4-0 win. That was, you know, it, Tottenham came in, tougher side. And they, again, they really bossed the midfield. Um, players, you know, a lot has been made of the American imports to the WSL this year. But in addition to that, there have been other players from, you know, from Germany, from France coming in. And Everton did excellent business in the summer. Um, they brought in two Danish internationals um, in Nicolene Sorensen and Ricky Savik, um, both of whom have gotten off to really strong starts with the team this year. Um, they brought in Valerie Govan, who is, uh, you know, the, the starting forward for the French women's national team. And so, you know, today's match, Tottenham in their first, first game of the season they tied West Ham one apiece and so this was a much more competent opponent today and they looked really good they have on the wings on the right wing they've Australian Haley Raso who looked feisty the entire game um, you know dribbling at the defense looking to cross it in um, the the defense as well you know Sandy McIver was just called up to the the Lionesses squad for a, a friendly game in in late September and yeah, you know, just kind of getting the job done. She was, she didn't really have to make any saves. She was kind of troubled once on net. Other than that, the, the women's team play a very possession based type of, of football. And, you know, they're very methodical. They work the ball up the pitch. Uh, they're very patient. They look for their openings. And, and, you know, again, with Raso and then Sorensen on the wings, they have a lot of speed to put the ball in either to Govan or uh, Simone McGill has been playing a lot up top. And, you know, the, it's, it's especially impressive because they lost their top goal scorer, Chloe Kelly, uh, who had netted nine times last season for Everton, and she signed with Manchester City this, this summer. And, you know, with kind of a, a top four of City, United, Chelsea, and um, Arsenal, sorry, you know, it's, the, the goal is definitely to, to build into that, that top four and with the squad that Everton have they will at the very least challenge for that fifth spot if not sneak into that top four if they get some good results I was, that, gonna, I was, gonna, I was gonna say sorry just, uh, I think no, you um is that because obviously Everton it's, it's kind of a shame I think that the the season was curtailed for, for Everton last season wasn't it because I think they're on they're on a good run uh, before suspension ended um and Obviously, they were supposed to be having the Merseyside derby at Goodison, and then obviously that was put, was postponed about two or three times before obviously ultimately getting cancelled. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, I know they lost they lost Chloe Kelly in the summer, and is and Christiansen is kind of like a she's quite a big name in the sort of in world in sort of world worldwide in GM women's football. So 
seems like quite a coup for Everton to get her. Um, but do you think do you think Champions League is realistic? I know that uh, like mid table finish uh, last season. Do you think it's it's real like a feasible aim to jump from from that to the Champions League in one season? Because it seems like Willie Kirk's done a solid job and made a big impression there. So. Yeah, no, yeah, I, Willie Kirk has, has really gotten the team off to a good start. For me, you know, the, the WSL just expanded the field in terms of teams eligible to qualify for the Champions League. It's, it's the top three teams now as opposed to the top two, which is what it has been in the past. But looking at, at how teams, the top four teams have strengthened their squads and how those teams have started, um, you know, Arsenal have scored a combined 15 goals in their first two matches. Um, you know, Man City have just up and down the roster, really strong team. And then, you know, United just brought in Tobin Heath and Kristen Press from the U.S. to add to a team that already featured, you know, Zellum. And, you know, the for me, as optimistic as I'd like to be, I think realistically, fifth place finish is kind of where Everton can expect to be. I think it would be difficult to crack the top four and even harder to qualify for one of, for the Champions League with one of those top three spots. The FA, the FA Cup has carried over, hasn't it, I think, from last season. So It has, yeah. Uh, for Chelsea in the quarterfinals, haven't they? So yep. um, I guess that's something to maybe a bit more tangible to aim for for, for the women's team. Yeah, definitely. You look at some of the the, comp- the other competitions that the, the top teams are playing in and Everton – Look, the way they match up against Chelsea in, in this quarterfinal and the FA Cup quarterfinal will be really interesting. You know, they Chelsea just brought in Pernil Harder from Wolfsburg from the German League, you know, widely considered one of the, if not the top midfielder um, in, you know, in, in women's football right now. And so if they can match up against that squad who just have, they boast incredible depth up and down the roster, um, you know, that'll really go far in terms of setting the tone for the season. Yeah, no, that'll be um, it'll be interesting to watch the Everton women. Obviously, um, a great start for them, a great start for Willie Kirk and that team. Um, you know, hopefully they can continue that and fight for that. You know, we would love to see. You know, it's not just the Everton men. We would love to see the Everton women in that top four side uh, in that in that top four as well and competing for trophies as well. Because any trophy we can bring to the club is is a good one, no matter you know who's bringing it to the club. And and um, we it seems like they have a really talented squad over there and real good start to the season for them. Let's get into a little bit of the Everton, um, some of the Everton men's news now um, that has kind of happened since we last talked um, uh, on the podcast. Uh, let's start with some transfer news. Obviously, the window is still open October 5th, despite the st- season starting today. Um, so still some time to get players in for Everton if they feel like they need them. Um, it seems like the player that they are most, that the club is most strongly linked to um, is uh, Tamori from Chelsea. Um, He's strongly linked with a loan move. Um, he's 22. He's, um, you know, we were also linked with him last summer. He played 22 times for Chelsea and once for England last season. Uh, Matthew, opinions on Tamori and the possible, you know, loan move to Everton uh, this season? I think he's a good player. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not massively sure we need him. Um, I think you, you saw today that I'm not, again, you don't want to just make, uh, you know, sweeping assumptions on on one game, but I think you you saw today that Michael Keane and Yerry Mina are both, you know, good good centre halves. I don't think either of them are great centre halves, but I think 
you know, they're, they're solid more more weeks than they than they are flaky. Mason Holgate obviously injured at the moment, which is a shame because I think he's the best that we've got uh, and a real real talent. And you know, can still has a, still has a long way to go in his development. Um, and then you've got Branthwaite who impressed at the end of last season, and then Lewis Gibson who's also uh, really highly rated. I know Everton paid you know a fair bit of money for from Newcastle. It was about four million, I think we signed him for. So um, there's a level of investment there that you want to see the rewards. You know, you want to see reap reward um so i do like tamori and you know is he would he be like in our top two center backs on a bit based on ability well maybe yeah but um i'm just i'm not sure that center back is where it, what should be our next port of call i think if you're going to eat into the wage budget by you know covering some or all of tamori's wages or paying a loan fee um, I don't think that's the best course of action, at least before Everton maybe signed a new right back or uh, a more established left back to cover Luca Dean or a new right winger. They seem like more pressing areas of concern for me. And and also I think the problem is, you know, people likened it to Kurzuma and Kurzuma was a great player for Everton for that season he was with us. But I would always rather see Everton um, put the development of their own players above the development of other clubs' players. So, if Tamori's arrival um, proves to be to the detriment of Branthwaite and Gibson, for example, or even Holgate, then I'm not sure. I'm not sure why Everton would be so keen to do this deal. To be honest, I think because um, I, I worry that Holgate, that Branthwaite and Gibson will be like the next of our young players who, you know, get loaned out to championship clubs, don't really make much of an impression, and then get loaned out to another one, and another one, and another one, like we've seen with Beningame, like we've seen with Garbo, people like that. So I just think there are certain risks attached with this one, which maybe, you know, make me less less enthused about it than other people. Ian? <clears throat> Yeah, I totally agree. I, you know, if, if they were to bring him in, it, it'd be a depth piece. I mean, they, like you mentioned, they have Mina and, and uh, Keen today who, who played really well. And, and again, you know, I, Holgate has definitely caught the injury bug, but when he's fit, he is, is a really exciting young talent. And, you know, Branthwaite at the end of last season, you know, near the tail end came in and, and got some experience. So for me, bringing in Tamori, you know, if, if he proves to be a depth piece, it begs the question, is it really necessary? Do they need to bring him in? So while, I don't know, for me, I, you know, again, I, I don't see it as, as a necessary move in terms of strengthening the squad. Like Matthew mentioned, there, there are other areas that could be invested in. So for me, it's, it's not, you know, paramount that they, they bring in tomorrow. Mm. Well, the other thing is they gave Michael Keane a five-year deal the other week. They gave Mason Holgate um, a new five-year deal in, in March. So uh, it, it seems like you know, Michael Keane and Holgate, you would assume, off that, are not going to go anywhere. Yeah. So, you know, if you've already nailed down two of your centre-halves, you've got Yerry Mina, who's, who, I, who I think, if he, if he stays fit and injury-free, then is, is a solid option. Um, and then you've got the two youngsters who 
showing a lot of promise. So yeah, it's not bad. I like Tamori. I'm sure if he played for us, he'd be, he'd be good. I just don't think we need him. No, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you guys. Um, you know, obviously the injury to Holgate, I guess, um, lightens the center back situation for us right now. But you'd like to think that he comes back from injury sooner rather than later. Um, Yari Mina and Keane can can hold down the spots for right now. And then you do have Lewis Gibson and um, Branthwaite, who have put in good performances already. You know, obviously Lewis Gibson against the championship squad, but um, in the last preseason friendly, put in a pretty solid performance for the Toffees. Um, you know, I think there's some promise there. And like you said, Matthew, um, and uh, you know, it's better to build up our players rather than build up somebody else's players. Um, and there are other spots on this team that need help. Um, you know, it would be great to be able to move Hamas to the middle of the pitch and get a right winger that can take over that outside and see what he can do with two options, not just Richarlison and, and crossing that ball to Richarlison, but having an option on his right option on his left and then Dominic Calvert-Lewin or Moise Keane or whoever takes over or whoever has that, that center um, or that center forward position, um, you know, just to, to pass to, because you can tell today his class just finding the open man and finding space um, was, was fantastic. And, you know, it'd be great to see him do that with, you know, another asset, um, you know, on that right wing. So we'll see how the transfer business plays out still, you know, a little under a month now, three weeks, something like that till, uh, till the transfer window wraps up. Um, just, so, a, just a, sorry, just, yeah. um, kind of, kind of related to that, but also just go back to just reading, just, to see him a comment from Ancelotti after this in his interview after the Spurs game. Yeah. Uh, when he was asked if he was worried at all about Rodriguez's, you know, pace and physicality. Seems a bizarre question to ask just after he's put in a yeah. pretty <laughs> He said he said if I was worried about that I would have signed you same bolt. <laughs> yeah, I mean if you I saw another tweet today that said, in terms of Hamas's quality, he sa- it said that today he created more chances from open play than any Everton midfielder or any Everton player uh, in the last 20 matches for the club. So, you're going to say 20 years. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, it, it prob- I wouldn't be surprised if it dated back that long. But mm. it's, uh, you know, clearly a good performance from him and, and always good to hear uh, Ancelotti yeah, right. have fun with it as well. Yeah, but right wing is, is, I think, a more pressing need than... Me too. I know Rodriguez, Rodriguez played well, though, whether it's his like, long-term position. Um, obviously, we had uh, Arm on the other week who said he's better, he's better placed on the right wing than in a, in a deeper midfield role. But then we, we kind of saw, you know, Decore and Gomez kind of swap today between that, that more advanced midfield role. So he could play there, I suppose. Um, yeah, and I, I, think it just, I think it just adds to the midfield, too. You know, it, it gives you another player to, to bring on, you know, as opposed to, um, yeah. you know, if you're, you know, say it's, you know, it's Ducore, Allen, and, and Rodriguez in the middle, then you have Gomesh and, you know, Sigurdsson available to come off the bench. You know, it just kind of mm-hmm. makes that depth of midfield a little bit better as well. Yeah. Um, you still so, got Gordon, you still got Bernard, yeah. we talk about last yeah, I see some of these players on the bench, and I'm like, oh, man, like it's so weird to see them on the bench because they've had such an important role for us over the past you know, few seasons or season or whatever it may be. Um, and it's like weird. It's like I forget that these players exist now because you have those players. We have options at some of these positions that 
we didn't have before and quality at some of these positions that we didn't have before. So, um, you know, obviously a great sight to see and, and hopefully more of that as we continue into the future. And speaking of the future, a couple, um, you know, Everton legends, I guess you could say, taking over some of the future duties or, or being promoted in their future duties. Um, David Unsworth and Leighton Baines getting new roles at the club. Um, Baines, obviously, um, as a development coach, um, as a coach in general for the first time, but it will be Everton's first uh, professional development coach. Meanwhile, uh, Unsworth, who's still in charge of the under-23s, um, also has become the academy director. Um, the former academy director, Joe Waldron, um, will become the academy's chief operating officer, um, and he'll be working with um, uh, managing uh, operations relating to the academy at USM uh, Finch Farm. But some new roles, and great to see Baines back at the club. Great to see Unsworth getting a little bit of a promotion there. Um, good for the club all around, right, Ian? Absolutely. You know, was, with with everything with the contract, you know, offering Baines one one additional year, and you know him stepping away and retiring, it's it's lovely to see you know someone who has given so much of his career, so much of his life to the club, to be back with the team and and really helping to develop and, and foster the relationships with with those young players. And I mean, listen, they're going to be able to pick his brain. He has a lot of experience that they can learn from and that he'll be able to share with them. So for me, all around great move. Super happy to see Bain still with the club. Matthew? Uh, yeah, likewise. I think uh, I think Bain said for a long time, we kind of got the impression from Bain that he wasn't like a, a football obsessive and that, you know, when, when he... I think I remember Pete saying um, when we did a podcast after the Bournemouth game that it was like he's gone now and you can't you kind of feel like someone will never hear from again. Um, but I think he had kind of mooted towards the end that he, he he kind of reconsidered that idea and and maybe be kind of a bit more keen on getting his coaching. So I'm glad Evan have taken an early opportunity to um, get him in. Seems like a great fella to inspire the. You know, the, the young kids as well, if, if that's the sort of age range that he's working more more closely with. Um, and I think it's, I think it's also it's really important that Everton keep ties with these people. Like, uh, obviously, David, David Unsworth is um, maybe a bit before our time in terms of when we started watching Everton, but he's another one who um, I think doesn't get enough credit for how good a defender he was. Duncan Ferguson, obviously, you know, not a massively prolific goal scorer, but an iconic Everton figure who, you know, is so such a beloved Everton figure as well, isn't he? Uh, likewise with him, you know, keeping him around has been good, I think. Um, and, you know, I'm sure Baines will, will relish this role and, and thrive in it. Um, as, for, as for Unsworth, I'm, I'm really pleased with him as well because... Um, I know we've kind of talked about Unsworth a bit before um, and how I, I kind of feel like he gets a bit of a, a bad rap from some some people in terms of him saying, what, what what is he developing? What is he doing to get these under-23s ready? You know, he still... <laughs> I, I know you could say that, you know, getting these, giving these kids minutes is more important, maybe, but, you know, he still won two uh, under-23 leagues in three years or... Um, Three years, four years. Um, so, I, th I think, and he seems to be someone that the kids really, really like to be coached under. So, I think another positive move is is giving him a more central role to to that academy. 
2023 yeah yeah absolutely yeah. And i think that um just having someone like leighton baines as a um kind of that ambassador to the young the, the younger generation it, it you know kind of speaks to that you know what we're trying what everton's trying to do is build a culture and what better to build who better to help build that culture is somebody who's been through that system before worked his way up you know obviously started at wigan but started as a young player at everton learned the ways of everton and has been around the club since you know you know the 2000s like or mid 2000s or whatever it was um you know it's good to have that i think it's a great position to have and a great position to kind of teach those young kids what it means to be a professional footballer, what it means to be a professional athlete, um, and, and what it means to play for Everton. Because um, sometimes it feels like that's, you know, the part that's left out of it. You know, they get all this instruction on technical um, ability and whatnot from Unsworth. But, you know, that culture is something that, you know, is so important to working those players into the first team. And um, I think Baines will do a really, really good job of that. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Sorry, I think, you know, the culture – um, is a really important point. It's really, it's really crucial that I think our our players understand what it means to play for Everton. Um, I know this kind of idea of like getting Everton is kind of a bit trite and a bit sort of um, overemphasised sometimes, but I think you really need to understand what playing for Everton means to Evertonians as much as anything else. And I think Baines is a Baines and Unsworth, Unsworth are both perfect guys in that sense to instil that. It's still that um, feeling or those ideas in into young players. Absolutely. So, yeah, again, I just think, just really happy that Baines is back on board, I think. So, you know, he's kept in the loop and then we'll still see him around. And, yeah. Uh, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he'll do a fantastic job. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really excited for that as well and, and excited to see what he can do and, um, you know, help the club out with and just excited to see his face around there, see a couple different haircuts maybe too. So we'll see. Um <laughs> Hey, moving on to some of the previews. We got two games this week before we'll speak again. Um, so let's go over them first. Like you mentioned, I think a little bit earlier, Matthew, uh, the Carabao Cup second round. The winner will play um, Fleetwood or Port Vale in the, uh, away in round three next week. That'll be Wednesday, September 16th at 8.15 British Standard Time. I think 3.15 over here on the East Coast in America. It's Everton versus Salford. And, and, Salford co-owned, um, fun facts here that Matthew included here in the agenda that I had no idea about. Um, Salford co-owned by former United players, including Phil and Gary Neville, uh, Beckham, Scholes, Nicky Butt, and Ryan Giggs. Um, their previous results have been um, a 2-2 draw with Exeter uh, in League Two uh, yesterday. So, mm -hmm. you know, as we um, go into this week, and it's, you know, this is kind of how it's going to be for at least the first few months here. Uh, with trying to catch up after missing some time with um, COVID-19 and, and, and the, the restart, it's going to be pretty hectic. So there's going to be a lot of games and probably a lot of changes. If there are going to be changes, which we assume there will be, um, Ian, we'll start with you. What are some changes you'd like to see Ancelotti make? Yeah, definitely. You know, again, kind of talking about the development, you look at we talked about the right back position being a little bit thin and, and one of the question marks going into the season this year. Um, I look at these kinds of games as can players like a John Joe Kenny, who, you know, is coming back from Schalke, you know, can he get some minutes? Can he show what he's capable of? Um, you know, last season I would have liked to have seen Moise Keane get some more minutes. You know, he, he was coming on as a late sub towards the end of end of the season. And, you know, he was just away with Italy at the, you know, the European games. And so getting players like that, you know, we mentioned the center back depth, 
you know, can Branthwaite can get, get into some of these games and getting minutes for, for players, younger players, um, you know, also looking at, you know, in a Wobi, can we use it for, you know, players like Delph coming back from injury to get, regain their fitness. Um, so for me, I would say, you know, looking at maybe Kenny at, at, at right back, uh, Moise Keen up top. And, you know, he gets a lot of plaque from the Everton faithful, but, you know, can Tom Davis maybe use some of these to pick up his form as well? Matthew? Uh, well, Salford are obviously really, have, compared to other League Two teams, really heavily backed by, uh, you know, like, like you said, the, the class of 92 um, in part. Um, Gary Neville was actually commentating on our game today, so I'm sure he'll, he would have done them a nice little scout report. He was very complimentary about us today, actually, compared to uh, compared to the Tottenham game the other month, where he was pretty scathing. Um, I think I actually don't know how big a priority this will be for Salford because, like I said, with their finances, you would expect them to be challenging for promotion and. Um, whether you know a Carabao Cup tie against Everton in a competition that realistically Salford are not going to win, you know whether that's such a big deal. To them, I'm not so sure. Um, so I'm not saying it's as easy as ever just turning up and winning this, but they should they should beat Salford. And I think even if you started all the seven players who are on the bench today, uh, you would still expect that to be strong enough to beat Salford. Um, I would like to see. John Joe Kenny, I would like to see maybe Niels and Kunku at left back. Um, I think Lewis Gibson or Branthwaite have, or maybe both have got a knock, but I'd like to see at least one of them. Um, the, the the problem is I don't I don't want to rest too many players because then you set a precedent, I guess, and then it's as if you're not taking the competition massively seriously. Like I I kind of applauded Marco Silva last year for playing strong teams, even against like Lincoln and uh, Sheffield Wednesday. Um, but I think with the sheer volume of games in, in, you know, we could play six games. This Tottenham game today could have been like the first of six games in September, um, you know, September for us. I mean, we want it to be, because obviously we want to win the Carabao Cup, but yeah, this congestion could be a problem for us. So I think you are looking at players like Davies, Sigurdsson, maybe Walcott, maybe Bernard, Anthony Gordon, I think. I don't know whether he was just left out or injured, but if, if he's fit, I would definitely start him. Definitely start Moise Keane, try and get him a goal, at least. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't want to go too under strength, but at the same time, you want to give opportunities. You want to rotate, given the congestion, and you want to give opportunities to players who deserve it. And most of our youngsters that are in and around the first team have I'm impressed pretty much every time I've been given a chance. So um, I would like I would like to see Pickford sing, although that's the only thing I would say because um, he obviously was very up and down. He wasn't even up and down. He's mostly down last season, wasn't he? Um, so keep giving him games. Keep building his confidence up, hopefully, um, because he was great today. And and I want I want him to to keep producing that level and, and that level of performance every game. And I think the more, the more opportunities you give him to show his quality, the better. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree. I think uh, Niels and Kunku should definitely get a start at left back. I think we need to focus on just giving rest to the positions that don't have too much, um, you know, depth at them. Um, you know, obviously Lucas, Luca Dean, we don't want playing too much, um, especially in a, in a game against Salford. You know, we need to save him for those Premier League matches at the current moment. Um, and I think Niels and Kunku has done a fantastic, did a fantastic job in the preseason against, you know, a league one and, and, and championship side. So I think he should definitely get a, a you know, a shot against uh, Salford. Um, John Joe Kenny, I, again, I think, well, you know, basically the same thing you guys, uh, Moise Keen up top, um, you know, probably won't see Hamas this week, at, um, this week until, you know, West Brom um, purely because, you know, if he gets hurt against Salford, I'm going to be more upset than anything in the entire world. So there's really no reason for him to play, especially with his injury history. Um, but yeah, I think there should be some changes, you know, some consistency, but for the most part, you know, get those lower depth positions, um, you know, get them out of there, put some, some of the younger guys in, give them a shot and, you know, see, you know, what they can do against, against Salford, a team that they, you know, realistically, realistically should beat. Um, before we move on to the West Brom preview, which will, um, we're playing West Brom, as Matthew mentioned, the early game on Saturday. Um, and we've talked about this a little bit. Uh, Matthew even just mentioned it right now, kind of the aims for Everton in the Carabao Cup. What are your opinions? What should Everton aim for? Um, should this, should they aim to, you know, should it be a high priority for them to win this Carabao Cup? Or, uh, you know, should they focus on other areas as they go through the season? Yeah, I mean, I think you look at you look at a cup like this, and, and the goal is always to win. I think it is important to keep in mind the the schedule and the amount of games that that are being played. Um, you know, you always want to minimize injury and deep runs into cup competitions. Definitely make it a little bit more precarious in terms of keeping players fit. So, with you know a manager like Ancelotti, you know, I will have I have full confidence that he'll be able to manage that and kind of picking the right players. Um, but, but for me, you know, it's, you always want to kind of put your best foot forward and, and look to win cup games like this. Um, so for me, I would say, you know, with the, the goal would be to win um, with the understanding of, of keeping players fit and, and fresh. And, and again, maybe looking towards the development of, of some of those young players. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how they line up always, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, after these games where you win and you have a good performance, you want to see, you know, you want to see the, the Everton squad, whatever yeah, they may be, get back out there. And uh, yeah, I guess you're a little bit more eager to see them after a win. Um, but, you know, after the Cowbow Cup on Wednesday, a few days off, and then Saturday again, 12.30 British Standard Time, um, 7.30 a.m. Here, over here on the East Coast, even earlier on the West Coast. Um, not sure if anybody in the West Coast actually gets up for those games at 4.30 a.m., but um, that's when this one. We definitely, didn't have enough, we definitely didn't have enough of those last season. Did we? Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely enjoy waking up at 7.30 um, when I don't have to. <laughs> no, but uh, Everton, um, you know, they'll be taking on West Bromwich, um, the newly promoted side this year, uh, one of the three. Um, they lost 3 nothing to Leicester uh, today, um, earlier today. They had the early game today. Um, obviously, two penalties to Jamie Vardy after the, you know, around the 75th minute and later. Um, so it was one nothing. They had controlled the game, I guess, or controlled the damage pretty well and then gave up those two penalties. So maybe not, you know, the scoreline not exactly showing the whole, um, the whole game there. But um, they're under Slavon Bilic. Slavin Bilic. Um, I believe Bilic coached West Ham previously, correct? Yep. 
West Ham, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he obviously played for Everton. Yes. Not very many times, but yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So he's the manager for them. Um, they were finished in second behind Leeds last year. Um, Matthew, start with you. Thoughts on West Brom? Uh, I didn't see their game today against Leicester, but it sounded like they got absolutely battered. Yeah, um, I didn't see it either. I just know that it was one nothing until the seventy fifth minute, and then they gave up two penalties. <laughs> yeah. Um, it seems to be everyone's favourites to go down, don't they? Down to Fulham, so um. But it's just that constant, you know, this is tailor-made for Everton to Everton it up, isn't it? Um, it feels like the Aston Villa game and, you know, we beat Villa and we go top, like I said. Beat West Brom, we go top. Um, but, you know, they've got some good players. I mean, um, obviously, Dan Garner, who's obviously caused a big sort of uproar among West Ham fans and players uh, for selling him um, and got some eight, eight goals, nine assists, something like that last season in the Championship. He's He's a talented player. Um, the, uh, Pereira obviously looked like a player who is too good for the championship last season. Um, so he's one to watch. Um, I really like Ajayi, the centre back as well. He's, he's really sort of towering centre back. Um, who was at Arsenal um, and then sort of came up through the league since being released. Um, so you know they will they will pose a threat. They've also got you know Kieran Gibbs who was Arsenal for for most of his career. Charlie Austin who seems to score against Everton every time and play them. Um, Robson Carnu who you know most people probably remember from that Wales European uh, European Championship campaign. Um, so you would look at it and say yeah there are there are threats for Everton to deal with there like there is with every, any any Premier League game, but. Um, I would go so far as to say it's probably a must-win for Everton in terms of setting, continuing to set the standard for the season and building on last week's result. Because at the end of the day, you know, if we lose to West Brom, even though we beat Tottenham, we'll have fewer points after two games this season than we could after two games last season. So, um, like I said, it's very, it's all like great to set the standard, but then you've got to maintain it. So. Um, more of the same from Everton, hopefully, and more of the same from West Brom, hopefully. Yeah, Ian. Um, you know, I don't know if you watched West Brom. Your thoughts on them, and you know, maybe to what Matthew was saying, is this a must-win for Everton? Yeah, certainly. Um, you look at, you know, that they have some players, and you know, I, I think where Everton could stumble, you know, Billich, of course, has a lot of experience coaching in the Prem. You know, they have, you know, in in addition to the players that Matthew mentioned, you know, they have Livermore, they have Hagaji, you know, they have players who have. Premier League experience who, you know, they know how to get the job done. It's not like, you know, a, a club is, is totally new. So I think that yeah. that could potentially pose a threat to, to them slipping up. But, you know, again, you look at a team in West Brom that is a popular pick to go down this year. Um, you know, the, they haven't made a ton of noise in the transfer window and, you know, a three nil drubbing it at Leicester who are, you know, a, a, you know, very quality team, well coached. Um, so for me, it's it's a must win. You know, I I think that Everton, hopefully the win will prove to be a springboard, if you will, kind of into the next three four matches um, against lower lower squads, as we've talked about, um, until we get, you know, some of the bigger teams. Um, yeah. So so for me, it's it's a must win. And I mean, it, after today, of course, you know, Everton look more than capable of doing it. You know, they just, they just have to get the job done. Yeah, absolutely. I do like I do like West Brom though. I mean, I, sorry, I like I like Billich. I think I think he's a good manager. Um, 
I think he was probably quite harshly treated at West Ham and was kind of the victim of this the Payette fallout. Payette fallout and, you know, the, the turmoil that seems to sort of envelop West Ham perpetually. Um, so, and he's a, he's a, I think he's quite a clever, he's a clever manager. I mean, he's, I think if West Ham are to go down, they won't be kind of this year's Norwich in terms of, or, you know, Huddersfield the season before that in terms of, you know, well adrift. I think they'll, they'll pull up a good fight and they probably will next, I'm sure they will next Saturday as well. So, um, it's about rising to that challenge, uh, Revan. Yeah, absolutely. It'll, uh, it'll definitely be an interesting game. Um, say, you know, to the same point you guys are making, think it is a, uh, you know, a must win just to keep that, you know, confidence up and prove that, you know, it's not just the, the top sides that they show up for. Uh, they'll show up this year for the, you know, even, even some of the lower sides that they're expected to beat. They go out there, if you know, they go out there and put together a really good performance when two or three, nothing. Um, then that's real um, cause for excitement uh, as the, as we move forward. Um, from the start, Tottenham starting 11, I know we talked about changes that you'd make for the Salford game for this game. Would you make any changes from the start, Tottenham starting 11 um, for this Premier League match? Uh, Ian, we'll start with you. No, for me, I, un, unless you look at, you know, maybe in, in the cup tie, like we talked about, Ken, Kenny comes in and he performs really well. Um, for, for me, the team today was just up and down the roster was, was really good. And you look at, you know, Calvert-Lewin opening his scoring account for the season. Definitely love, love him to get back in there. Um, you know, and then getting more experience, building that chemistry with the mid, midfield three, all new players coming in. Um, I thought Dean looked good. Center backs are strong and, you know, Pickford, Pickford in net. So for me, I'd, I'd keep it the same with, with the one caveat of maybe, you know, Kenny comes in for Coleman, but you know, I, I thought Coleman overall did well today. Um, you know, I thought he defended Son pretty well, speedy, you know, speedy player on the wing there. Um, he, he got back and defended well and, and he pushed forward a couple times. So other than that, I keep it the same. Matthew. No, I wouldn't change any. I don't think, I, I mean, why? Why would you? I mean, um, after sort of a headline result like that, it seems it seems very harsh to drop anyone. Um, yeah, I think I think the sort of the biggest story here is that people like Mason Holgate or uh, you know even Sigurdsson, for example, or um, John Joe Kenny, people like that have have you know shown they've got their work cut out really to get back in the team. Because even if Holgate was fit next week, I don't even think he would break up Michael Keane and Yerry Mina after this. And I also think West Brom at home is probably the sort of game that will suit Michael Keane particularly better because he seems to struggle when teams press high up against us and, and he's kind of seems better in kind of a low block than, than maybe, you know, forced to um, to move forward and further out the comfort zone a bit. But um, no, I... I if Angelotti picks the same team, I would be, uh, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be fine with that at half twelve. I hope I'd be fine with that at quarter past two. But uh, yeah, pretty no, confident yeah. for next week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree with you guys. No changes for me, especially if they make all those changes or or make a decent amount of changes at the midweek with the Salford match. Um, before we head out, uh, predictions, Matthew. We'll start with you. It'll be one one nil again. We seem to only win by one goal under Ancelotti, which is fine because we did that under more easily. If we finished fourth, and um, that that went well, so um, 
I can't. That's the only thing I think we lacked today. Maybe was a bit of cutting edge, like we saw with Charleston. Um, but Calvert Lewin took his goal really well. But other than that, I think he wasn't involved in a lot of the play, was he? If we're being honest. Um, so I think yeah, that that cutting edge is maybe the one area we need to work on. But you know, a win you get the same number of points for winning one nil as you do for winning five nil. So um, I'd be happy with one nil. That would be, be. I quite like one nil actually. It's quite nice to see us grinding out results and, and not not um, you know losing our heads or anything like that. Yeah. So yeah, I'll go for one nil. Uh, Ian. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to say two nil. You know, we Everton were a bit wasteful in, in front of goal. A couple moments today against against Spurs, and I think that the team is just too good overall. You know, the the finishing I think will improve against West Brom. You know, they'll they'll drop back. You know, they'll they'll be a defensive team. But I, with our passing, with our playmaking, our creativity, I think we'll be able to break them down. And I think the finishing comes. Um, you know, I think that they're a little bit better in front of net. So I'm going to go two nil. Yeah. Um... You know, I'd like to think 2-0 as well. That's that's what I would think because um, you're right. I mean, if we can finish those chances, the, the biggest problem is going to be creating those um, opportunities against um, a team that's probably, um, you know, going to sit back a little bit more, I guess, um, than, you know, a top six side. Um, but it looks like, you know, if Hamas plays like he did today, he'll be able to find those holes um, and they'll be able to, to work some, some magic there. And if the finishing is good, it, you know, it should be 2-0. Um, and the defense is just as good as it was. So hopefully that is the result. Hopefully it's three more points. Ian, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we appreciate it. Welcome to Royal Blue Mercy. Uh, welcome to School of Science Radio. We'll get you on you know, again sometime soon. Great. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I've, I've had a blast. Really appreciate it. Awesome, awesome. And Matthew, as always, thank you. Thank you mm-hmm. to everybody. Um, thank you for everybody to listening. Um, we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>